0: What is the Bible?
1: Who wrote the Bible? The Church will continue to be even more irrelevant when it quotes letters from 2,000 years ago. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Is where
2: our trouble began. This sounds to me like the voice of someone who really has an appalling ignorance of what the Bible says about itself and what Jesus said about it.
0: It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
1: Was not going to do this.
2: I I was being sarcastic, which is another big word you'll learn in school.
1: What's the word on the street? This is Wretched Radio. The word is a word. It's actually two words if you're a literalist that I was not going to discuss again because, well, I would humbly tell you I nailed it the first time. I mentioned two words from a book written by one Dr. Peter Sammons called The Forgotten Attributes of God. Those words would be pure actuality you keep using the word i don't think it means what you think it means truth is i didn't know what it meant until i read this book about pure actuality jimmy i fumbled but i i, I tried to explain as best i understood pure actuality without reading that chapter in peter salmon's book okay. do you recall what pure
2: actuality is I do not recall what pure actuality is. is
1: Because it is a forgotten attribute. The reason, however, I'm bringing it up, even though I humbly tell you (laughs) my definition was perfect. It's because Peter Sammons did a number of things. He opens up an attribute slash perfection of God that actually can impact your life. That is what theological teaching not should do, it must do. You can spend your days locked in a box reading the Institutes all you want, but if it is not affecting you, changing you, showing you how to apply this reality to life, well, what's, what's the point? Theology must do more than simply amass information about God. So Peter Salmon's teaching on pure actuality shows us how to do that. And this just might help you if you are facing a trial. Is anybody not? You've got a situation. You're you're wondering what's going to happen. How is this going to work out? Things don't look so good. Let pure actuality help you. The verse that is used primarily to support this forgotten perfection, Exodus 3, God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am has sent me to you. So here's pure actuality's definition. God has, don't panic at this, God has no passive potentiality. Now, just hear the fellow out for a moment. You are going to hear some very lofty thoughts. And I I don't know how your mind works when it comes to almost, almost philosophizing about God. Anytime you enter into the philosophical, well, well, it sort of did. I have a tendency to get a little lost, but hang in there because Peter Sammons is going to explain this lofty term, which is not going to remain to the heavens. It is going to trickle down to your world, God doesn't go from being potentially God to actually God. He doesn't go from being potentially real to actually real. Never does he become more or fully God because he already, it's just, it's all there. God isn't evolving. He's not improving. He ain't getting better. Can't. And Peter Sammons explains why. When we say God has no passive potentiality, we mean God is not becoming. He is. He's pure actuality. His state of being doesn't need to be advanced, nor is it even capable of being advanced. Whatever has potentiality, it needs to be brought into reality by something else outside of itself. Since God is the ultimate cause of all things, there's nothing in him to be actualized. He doesn't have potential waiting to enter the ring somebody to give him the cue so that he can show us a new perfection nope he's actual not potential sounding lofty it's because he is god is different god has the potential to do whatever he wants but he does not have the potential to be anything other than what he is. (laughs) He has the power to create other things, but he doesn't have the power to exist in any other way than he does. He's not potentially God. He's actually God. If God were to change, he wouldn't be God. Because if he changed for the worse, he would become less than what he is, which would be no longer God. Flip the coin. If God were to become better than what he already is, we would say that he was not previously perfect. In other words, that he wasn't previously God. And obviously, those notions aren't compatible with the God of the Bible. All creatures can be non-existent, but they have the potential to become non-existent. At the very least, God cannot not exist cannot exist. And God cannot become any better. Let your mind wrap itself around that thought as best it can, which it can't because it's an infinitely big thought. But let your brain go there. God is actually God, not possibly God. God isn't going to become a better version of himself. He's not going to become non-existent. He's the only necessary being that there is. Everything else is contingent. Everything is dependent on God. He existed always, and he gives life existence to everything else. All things exist because of him. Nothing would be made that was made, John 1. God is actual, not potential, or dare I say, Possible now, as best you can, to try to um, think on those thoughts. That that God is ideal in every way. He's never going to improve because He's He's already the best that there, everything about God is there. You say, that's interesting. How does that help me? Peter Salmons returns to the verse that supports this ideal of God's lack of potentiality, that God is pure actuality. I am who I am. Remember the setting? Moses, big trouble on the horizon. And God tells him who he is. Why did God do that? Just to share his nameplate so Moses would know how to address him? No. No. He was giving Moses encouragement. He's facing pagan deities, diviners, sorcerers, a wicked Pharaoh, the world's most powerful army. That's what he's staring down. And God says, I'm pure actuality. You you don't have to wait for something inside of me to kick in. Or for the seventh plague to fail, and then suddenly I'm going to expose. Aha! I still have this ability. God does not become Moses on his way for to trouble, and God actually comforts him with this, and that's where this is going. It should comfort you too. Moses was headed into a den of hostility, and God told him. I'm acting in all of it. I don't need to be activated. My nature is not sitting on the sidelines waiting to get into the game. Here's what Peter Sammons then says. No matter where you are or what situation you find yourself in, the God who acts is there. Whether you are a law enforcement officer serving your country, a military serviceman, this is the truth you need. Children neglected or abandoned by parents need this truth. The wife who loses her husband needs it. It offers hope in every contingency of life. It is the truth Moses needed, and it is what you need in your tough situation today. This is application. This is this is bringing theology now from head to heart from Salmon's. This simple declaration of the pure actuality of God was designed to put God on vivid display as a radical contrast between the lifeless pagan gods of Egypt and himself. He alone lives. Furthermore, this God can provide tender comfort and support in the midst of turbulent trials. He's always there. He's always fully active. He can be trusted. He is always loyal to his promise. There is no duplicity with God. The one true eternal God doesn't change. He always was. He is and he will be. And you can count on him. Moses was dealing with the God who consults nobody. Always active. Never reactive. Peter Sammons, how the church desperately needs a renewed vision of God. Anchor itself. Her God is the God who is and who acts. He didn't plan history. He pervades it. He's the chief actor on the human stage. The description of God tells us about the appropriateness of the God of Scripture for every age. He's the answer for Gen X, millennials, and those in Russia, China, or even Islamic-controlled countries. That's your God. Pure actuality with a practical application. You can bank on him because he is. This is Wretched Radio. cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International.
2: Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. You know, we've noticed that some of you have dipped your toes into the gospel partner pool, but have you prayerfully considered joining us full-time in this wild gospel-centered adventure? As Paul said in Philippians 4.1, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, whom I long to see my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Let's be honest, what's better than standing firm together, reaching millions all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? And we're not asking you to sell all your possessions and join a commune or anything like that. Remember, 83 3% of every dollar you give goes directly to ministry, so you can rest assured knowing we're not spending your hard-earned money on private jets or fancy gold-plated iPhones. As a 501c3 ministry, we exist to preach the gospel, equip others to do the same, and strengthen the local church. And so would you prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Just visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel.
1: Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds, 54,000 babies were saved, 69 ultrasound machines were placed, 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, Trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org/slash wretchedpreborn.org slash wretched. Know your church
0: fathers. Tertullian was a well-trained Greco-Roman philosopher. When he converted to Christianity, he used his great learning to vigorously defend Christianity. Tertullian rejected secular philosophy and is famously quoted as saying, What hath Athens to do with Jerusalem? This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
1: Mm, This is going to be a bomb. Friel, how does this differ from any other segment? This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, I'd like to share a testimony about you, if you don't mind. I'd like to let everybody know what an amazing producer you are. Oh. Are you ready to hear my testimony about Handsome Jimmy Hicks? <laughs> Absolutely. I went, I went into this office and super comfortable chair. It kind of curves your back a little bit when you sit in it, but otherwise, relatively comfortable chair. And I was, I was just thinking uh, about how the radio program is doing. And I heard a sound in the disc and it was, it was, it was really, really good. That's my thing <laughs> about what a great producer, Jimmy. Jimmy, what are you laughing about in there?
2: I, I don't have any clue. I'm just laughing, but I'm not real sure what well, I'm Did laughing. I
1: miss any details that uh, might explain why you're a great producer? Quite a few. Like what, for instance, do you do that I kind of biffed? Uh, a
2: lot. <laughs> I make you sound amazing. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But you have to record. Yes. You have to do the
1: computer stuff with sound because our room. Jimmy, would you like to tell everybody about the quality of our recording facility here at <laughs> well, Wretched? Um, in there, a wor- There's better.
2: In a word, it's a bit echoey. <laughs> Just a bit.
1: <laughs> but there's there's a reason for it. It caught, typically, I think, for a for a soundproof booth, it's it's tens of thousands of dollars. Right. It's it's super expensive. And sorry, we can't. It's not that we won't. We can't spend your money that way. Instead, you got a pretty cheap software that just takes all of that stuff out and makes me sound much better than I am. Right? Do. Right. Will, can, possibly. <laughs> yes. All right. So you, you do that. Do you have to uh, do any sort of trimming, oh. timing, making sure? Sh- oh, do you add the commercials? To- oh, and you record the... Com- Hold on a second. <laughs> and you do the news every single day. Yeah. Oh, I kind of forgot about those things. And you would rightly say, well, dude, you biffed it. You really didn't give a testimony about handsome Jimmy Hicks greatness in production when you didn't share what it is that he does. And if you're asking what exactly does this have to do with the price of tea in Texas on a Tuesday, I'll tell you it has to do with Hulk Hogan. That's right. Hulk Hogan. Got to tell you, I, we're what is going on with Joe Rogan? Do you know who this fellow is? He's an MMA fighter guy. Uh, you know, I don't want to turn this into sports talk. <laughs>
2: he's the announcer. Oh, he's the, but it, but he does it himself, doesn't he? I think, like for fun, but not professionally. He, he looks just, like he could he, just the announcer. Yeah, he
1: he could beat me up with his words. Oh, I'm sure. Basically, and I think he owns a <laughs> gym. And he's he's changed in my estimation. We're making a video about this. It'll be posted very shortly on YouTube, and and you'll hear it for yourself. He used to be hostile toward God, and now he's asking questions, not just as an interviewer. Anybody can do that. You could sit down and interview a a liberal Democrat and just ask questions to get information, but that's not what Joe Rogan is doing. Tell me, on that day, when you became a Christian, what what exactly happened? What what, What was going on there? Did you... Did you hear something? Did, what did you feel? Now, those, I'm sorry, those are seeking questions. I'm not saying that he's seeking after God. I'm, he's trying to sort things out. And Hulk Hogan gave his uh, testimony, and it didn't include any details about God, his promises, his work, his character and nature of uh, Hulk Hogan's depravity. God's right response to our wicked, abominable deeds committed against him. Nothing about Jesus Christ dying on a cross, receiving the wrath that you and I deserve, dying, rising from the dead. None of it was there. It just wasn't a testimony. And everybody's everybody's very happy about Oliver Anthony. It's called the Richmond North of Richmond. It's become an internet sensation. It has a fair amount of vulgarity inside of it. Nevertheless, it seems to have captured the zeitgeist du jour. And this guy has been catapulted into prominence. And he actually appeared on Joe Rogan's program. And Joe Rogan again asked him, What? Well, tell me. I, I, the man is, is trying, like, give me. I, I need the info so it can happen to me but he didn't get it, didn't hear anything about God and his settled determination to make sure that every score is settled. And I knew that I would be on the receiving end of that justice. And I heard that he so loved the world, he sent his son to die for sinners so that I didn't have to. That's when I fell to my knees. I repented and put my trust in Jesus Christ. None of that none of it. There was another opportunity that was just sitting up on a tee. These testimonies, if you go watch testimonies, most of the time, you're not going to hear what is needed for somebody to get saved. Testimonies can be so evangelistic. I know that there are some people who kind of poo-poo testimonies. Well, that's not sharing the gospel. Well, it can be if you actually share the gospel. I wonder if those critics maybe they're that critical that way because they've never heard a testimony that includes all of the necessary components for somebody to go, "Wait, that's the gospel?" Typically, what do we hear? Well, I was sad, I was blue, didn't know what to do, but then I'm I just felt God's presence and I just I haven't been the same since. And most evangelicals say, ooh, ah, but that just isn't a testimony. You have a chance to be evangelistic. Now, to be clear, Joe Rogan asked these guys, well, tell me about the day it happened. What you know, what happened? So he wanted to know the details of it, but they give they give so many of the actual physical, visual details. Not the truth of God's word, not the truth of history, not the truth of God's work in the individual's heart that is unseen. You can give some of those details. It's okay, that's not, but those details are window dressing. They're, they're not the guts of a Christian testimony. If you ever have a chance to give a reason for the hope that lies within you might, I encourage you to remember. Jimmy, I've got this trademark. So just you can warn people, don't even think about using it. You'll be paying me. Like some people trademark the word purpose. I'm not insinuating anybody in a Hawaiian shirt in particular. I'm just saying, here's my acronym. Who, who, what, 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 who, who, what, what, what. You remember that? And you'll cruise through your testimony. Who is God Who am I? What do I deserve? What has he done? What should I do in response? That's it. And you've given a testimony. I saw the Granger Smith fellow, Jimmy. He was asked for his testimony. Bada bing, bada boom. But he gave it. About two sentences. He nailed it. Hmm. I mean, no, it could have been drawn out. He literally two sentences. I I I understood my depravity, the sin, the sin nature that condemns me, and that Jesus Christ died for me while I was sinning, he rose from the dead, and God will forgive my sins upon placing my faith in him. Boom, the bing ding. There it is. Who, who, what, what, what? Might I just add this regarding the window dressing? Don't have so much of it that the gold gets covered up in the dross. i'm not sure that was the correct use of any of the metallurgy but don't don't have so much of it that it's it's it gets lost in the shuffle and always guard against the the big kaboom stuff and the very subjective nature i just i just knew it was god i just knew it i just felt it i just knew it. and he was just telling me i just knew that this had to be well how you know? actually there was another fellow who gave his testimony, and Joe Rogan said, well, how do, you, how do you know that dream was given by God? Well, I just know. Okay. Well, now somebody has to trust the testimony of a guy who had a dream as opposed to eyewitnesses who saw the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the message that we need to proclaim. So be careful that you you can color your story it happened like this but the star of the show shouldn't be the details the star of the show must be Jesus Christ leave Jesus ringing in their ears when you're done with your testimony so that they, in fact I would I would say this if you give your testimony to 100 people and nobody's agitated you probably biffed it if you give money to that many they they should jimmy it's sort of like dennis prager was kind of agitated with me i heard (laughs) (laughs) love dennis prager but his jewish interpretation of the Bible is just going to be different than mine and clearly he he thought so too make sure your testimony is distinctive and
2: potentially even offensive this is wretched radio it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start to the north in Canada, where there is apparently a growing debate over parental rights. Provinces like New Brunswick and Saskatchewan and Manitoba have rolled out some new policies that champion parental rights. Uh, not necessarily, because not everyone is excited about mom and dad being in the loop. Some activists, LGBT activists, that is, have cranked their amplifiers to say, 11, and they're painting these parental policies, get this, as not just wrong, but deadly. That's right. Knowing what your kids are learning, they say, is lethal. However, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his administration are backing the LGBT activists. They've actually gone as far as to criticize anyone who disagrees with the LGBT activists as pushing vulnerable children toward a higher rate of suicide. Uh, You talk about a self-defeating argument if I've ever heard one anyway we moved to michigan now where governor gretchen whitmer not much better than justin trudeau and the michigan economic development corporation have launched a campaign to roll out the welcome mat they want people moving to the state of michigan the catch well this new campaign is targeting conservative states and it touts michigan as being a bastion of reproductive freedom, basically a haven to murder your children. So if you live in a conservative state that has banned the murder of innocent unborn children, well, Michigan's rolled out the red carpet. They say, hey, come on. We love giving you the right to kill your children. Basically, that's what unfettered access to abortion is. But we switch gears to a more common sense state, at least for now. The state of Texas, that is, where the Supreme Court has greenlit a ban on transgender surgeries and hormone treatments for minors. Governor Greg Abbott signed the law back in June. The Supreme Court has now said it can go into effect. Texas now stands as the largest state in the country, because it is the largest state in the country, to say maybe let's not make irreversible life-altering decisions before you can drive. And out of Nicaragua, where the country's Marxist government has seized control of a Catholic university, and in doing so, six priests have been evicted and the institution has been renamed because apparently it was, quote, a terrorist's center. And The move has been criticized by pretty much anyone with a conscience. I'm talking alumni to this particular university, all the way to the United Nations. No one sees this as making any type of sense. And last but not least, NASCAR, the pinnacle of diversity, right? Well, they finally removed a racial requirement on their diversity internship program. (laughs) That was pretty much blatant illegal discrimination. That's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks.
0: Books of the Bible. John, the beloved disciple, author of the Gospel of John and Revelation, also wrote three epistles. In this first epistle of John, the apostle has one main concern, that we may know if we have eternal life and if our faith is genuine faith. If you want to know that you have eternal life, turn to 1 John and see what he has written for you. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
3: Christ's
2: Church Lord. news She is new creation, My spirit and the
1: Even though I'm a bit offended came to be holy Can't believe your insinuation Radio. Uh, to church news we go, starting with the Catholic News Agency. Jimmy, there's a big tour sponsored by the Roman Catholic Church, nine months throughout North America. No, I'm not speaking about Roman Catholic worship artist Matt Marr. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't know that he was Roman Catholic when you were singing his songs in your Sunday morning Protestant worship service. Nope, it's not a music concert. It turns out it's going to be the arm of Jude the Apostle, the relics tour. It's live and in action and going on for nine months, according to the Catholic News Agency. It gives you an opportunity to experience intimacy with someone who dwells in heaven and beholds God face to face. I'm sorry. I don't care to downgrade what the Bible promises. When you are regenerated, when God makes you born again, you have intimacy with the Father. Now, you might not delight in that, but you got it because of what Jesus did. You are ushered into the presence of God with a relationship to know the love of God in Christ Jesus, to experience the fullness of Christ. You got it all. You don't need somebody who's in heaven, apparently, with the nickname Lefty. I don't know why exactly, but... This is a downgrade from Bible promises. You have direct access to the Father through the mediator, through the intercessory work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You talk directly to God, not through somebody who would be grieved to discover that his arm is touring the United States so that you can receive his blessing and entrust him with their petitions. (sighs) Treasures of the Church notes in a press release that the longstanding Catholic tradition of relic veneration is not worship, but a way to honor and draw near to the saints and a petition for their prayers since they are with God. I'm sorry, you can call it veneration, but when you kneel down, you bow down, when you kiss the box that holds the arm of somebody who died a couple thousand years ago Uh, by any other name. That looks like worship, according to this article, they say that the apostle Jude was the same as the Lord's first cousin. And th- this this gets a little bit tricky, but there are several Judes that are mentioned in the New Testament. You've got Jude Ascariot, uh, you've got Judas, I think it's Mark 6, the, uh, the, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Remember the Pharisees were like, hey, aren't those the brothers and sisters? They, of course, would be half-brothers and sisters, the Roman Catholic Church, in an effort, apparently, I don't understand why exactly, to maintain the pureness of Mary claimed, oh, no, 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 she didn't have any other kids. They're just cousins. Well, no, that's not the word that is used in the New Testament. They were half-brothers and half-sisters who didn't believe in Jesus. Judas the Apostle, now that was Mark 6, Judas the Apostle, no. Judas the Apostle is listed separately from the brothers and sisters because the half-brother of Jesus didn't believe in him. He wasn't following Jesus around. Now, we do have stories where they did bump into their half-brother, Jesus. Remember, goading him to go to Jerusalem? Hey, if you want to show yourself to be a big deal, that's the place to go. Those were not words of faith. They stood outside of a house where he was preaching to take him home because they thought (laughs) what he's saying is it was the death, burial and resurrection that changed their tune. Jude and James, another half brother of Jesus Christ, wrote two New Testament epistles. And I got to tell you, Jude would be grieved if if he knew that supposedly his arm, which according to this report that the Apostle Jude was martyred in Beirut several decades after Christ's death and resurrection. But his body, supposedly, was transferred to a tomb in St. Peter's Basilica centuries after his death. That sounds sounds airtight to me. His arm was subsequently removed uh, and placed in a reliquary in the shape of a priest's hand giving a blessing downgrade what a shame and how tragic it is sorry how tragic it is that you would think that the only reason i shared this story was so that i could play this old bit
3: hello this is bob athelstan with relics 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 your source of sacred christian relics we carry a wide assortment of relics for all purposes from earthly miracles to heavenly rewards Right now we have a special on the one-of-a-kind skull of John the Baptist. Choose from child, teen, or adult. Hurry fast because quantities are limited. The first hundred people who call in to order the blessed skull of John the Baptist will receive a two-inch by two-inch piece of the actual cross. Free. Hundreds of thousands of satisfied customers have attested to the miracles happening in their lives since they have owned these palm-sized chunks of the real, historical, actual cross that Christ himself was crucified on. Pick up our catalog or visit us on our internet site. While you're there, be sure to order our holy plate and chalice dinnerware. Use it, the one and original Last Supper. Available in 10 and 20 piece sets. Remember, here at Relics, 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 our motto is you don't need grace when you've got sacred relics. Always at fair prices.
1: Despite your insinuation. Insinuation. Insin... That would be an accusation and insinuation put together. That is an actual word because I'm a talk show host and I just used it, and we don't make mistakes because we're never talk show hosts. I can't recall if I ever shared this, but it's because I actually get to be in St. Paul, Minnesota after the state fair, which is a big fat bummer. There was a long article in the religion news talking about clergy. Here it is right here clergy dish up meatball Sundays. Pickle ice pops and a little faith at the Minnesota State Fair years ago with KKMS, the cinder block bunker in the middle of a field at a big booth at the Minnesota State Fair. And we were on air every day for three hours witnessing to people live five second delay so Tony could keep his finger on the trigger just in case we had to bloop something out. But otherwise, we were dishing up a lot of faith back then. And the article, interestingly, says the reason that these people are a little on the down low is because 1981, the U.S. Supreme Court ruling found that fairs could restrict the Hare Krishna Society from distributing literature about their faith. I don't know where they were distributing it, but I got to tell you, it was a massive blessing for years at KKMS to be out there. We went all day, afternoons and evenings, preaching the gospel. This article reveals, well, they're just serving pickle ice pops. You know, I don't think those are needed. I don't even, I don't, even a novelty at the state fair. I'm, I'm not sure meatball Sundays are a combination that anybody but a state fair could put together. Nevertheless, was reading in Jude because I'm preaching at Faith Bible Church, September 17th, and I was just struck by this again. You remember Jesus' half-brother Jude was writing to people and he made a claim. He said, hey, I wanna talk to you about the gospel. I'm, I'm sitting down here, whether it's with an amanuensis, whether it was him putting pen to paper, He was wanting to talk about the gospel. I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. But I got to talk about these false teachers. It was a downgrade, because it is a downgrade. Listen to this man's heart. This is this is almost a bookend. This would be a, a a bit of a, perhaps, a literary device where you say the same thing up front as you do at the end, and then everything in between kind of has to do. With that, listen to his greeting. Verse 2 Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Where does mercy come from, God? Where does the peace that surpasses all understanding come from, God? Where does this love come from? Not a friend, an acquaintance, a relative, a spouse. God wants it to be multiplied. This, I want this to be multiplied in you. And then he deals with, oh, fine, I got to deal with these wolves. And he goes about the business of talking about them in really severe terms. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Jude wants us To keep ourselves in the love of God, not just to check a theological box. Yep, I did a word study on agape. I totally get what it means. It's an affectionless sort of self-sacrificial love. There's an increasing number of scholars who are debating that. Nevertheless, just because we can say it, that we can pass a test, doesn't mean that we keep ourselves in it and know it. Look forward to seeing verse 17th at Faith Bible Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. We won't be dishing up a little faith, (laughs) but it won't be on a stick or deep fried. This is Wretched Radio. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Friel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing, the average family saves $500 $500 per month if that sounds intriguing and I hope it does please do your research visit metashare.com slash wretched metashare.com slash wretched or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE eight four four three four 34 bible 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE.
2: Have you ever felt like you're on an emotional roller coaster? It's okay to admit it because we've all been there and some of us are there now. Well, saddle up, buckle up, strap up, whatever it is you prefer. Just tune in to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. It's the podcast you quite possibly have been waiting for because it's the place where anxiety, loneliness, depression, and fear come face to face with the Bible. And don't expect Dr. Gifford to just read scripture. Now, he wrestles with it and applies it to challenges We all face. Trust me, this podcast, it's a game changer. And it must be for me to say game changer because I loathe that phrase. But that's exactly what transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford is. It'll help you and it will empower you to help others, too. You'll be throwing out biblical wisdom like you're in Solomon's court. New episodes, they drop every Saturday morning at transform.org slash podcast or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Trust me, you'll be glad you listened.
1: Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at TomorrowClubs.org slash Ratched. TomorrowClubs.org slash
0: Attributes of God What does it mean to say God is righteous? He is the standard of what is right and good. He is in strict adherence to his moral law, and he is the source of righteousness through Jesus Christ for every sinner who repents and puts their trust in Christ. This is Wretched
1: Radio with Todd Friel. As long as you brought up the subject of Jude. This is Wretched Radio. The half-brother of Jesus Christ wants you to know the love of God, to keep yourself in the love of God, that the love of God might be multiplied in you. That should be the ongoing quest of the Christian. Does that mean that we somehow circumvent the intellect? No. Our love for God must come through the intellect. If you don't know nothing about God, you can't love him. You've got to learn about him but you've also got to meditate on these things think about these things remember these things call these things to mind so that you're secure in the knowledge God actually has a love for you please notice that prepositional phrase or you this is not some sort of generic mood that exists in the cosmos it is very personal God loves you. And it is my opinion, which as a talk show host means it's exactly right, that a lot of Christians need some shoring up in this regard. Would like to share with you anonymously a letter that I think captures the plight, I think I'm going to stick with that word, the plight of a lot of Christians. They 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 thought they were born again. They love Jesus But something's just kind of not right. Let's see if this email helps all of us perhaps apply what Jude wanted us to know. Thank you for your response. So the past few weeks now, I've been struggling greatly to the point of despair and the fear of being a false convert. I got to stop right there. If that describes you, I am not the one who gives the final stamp of approval on the salvific faith of an individual. That's God's job. But I think that I could join the Puritans who would tell you the false convert does not get filled with despair about not being saved. With the fear of being a false convert, this this person writes, a false convert doesn't fear they're a false convert. They're happy to be a false convert because they still hate God. They have a veneer of Christianity. But they still hate God. If you have a fear, you're filled with, whoa, no, I don't Now want to be a believer. That's one of the surest signs you actually are. But it continues. I have a despair and a fear of being a false convert and a sense of hopelessness with being destined to hell for forever. Remember, faith, hope, and love are three really important things. The greatest of these, by the way, is love. But it is good to have hope. And remember that your hope is outside of you. If you are feeling hopeless, it's, it's not because you actually are, but it's because you're probably listening to yourself and not believing what the Bible says about where your hope resides. Your hope is in heaven. And it's not just across your fingers. Hope to die, stick a needle in your eye. I hope it doesn't rain before I tee off at nine eighteen on Saturday. No, it's a confident hope. Why? Not because of how you feel, but because your hope resides in Jesus Christ. So if that is how you feel, you need to have a little conversation with yourself. Now, I encourage you to not do this out loud in front of people. You can do it out loud. Just make sure nobody's around because they might think, but have a conversation with yourself. Where's my hope? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground, going to make you feel hopeless. Listen to truth. Here are the reasons. One, I have feelings and thoughts, blasphemous thoughts, that are contrary to the Christian faith like feeling and thinking like I'm against God, even though I don't want that thought. Okay, there it is. If you're one who entertains blasphemous thoughts that come shooting through your brain, you got a problem. This is not that. I don't want these thoughts. Why do these things keep appearing in my brain? That is not the heart cry of a false convert. Two, doubt over if my experience with God has been real all this time. Like, am I a fake? Be careful because a lot of these questions indicate that you're holding up a mirror and you're looking at yourself instead of seeing the image of Jesus Christ and studying him. Experiences, look, there there is some potency to experience. You probably had one when you got saved, or at least you remember the season when you changed. But that is not the basis of your assurance. Because lots of Mormons have feelings. Buddhists have feelings. They experience something. But that doesn't mean they're saved. Don't look so much at yourself. Look outside of yourself. Study Jesus, not your experience. And the more you do that, the more these concerns are going to dissipate. Number three. My repeated struggle with spiritual pride, not the normal type. It feels like I want to live for me instead of God. (laughs) Well, join the Christian club. That's our flesh. It's not our old nature. That's gone. We have a new nature, but we have this carcass that we lug around that still wants me to reign and rule. That is a a sinful propensity that lingers inside of your members. That doesn't mean you give in to them. It doesn't mean you don't go to war with them. It doesn't mean you don't mortify them, but it doesn't mean you're not saved. It, it means that you're in the spiritual battle. All of this language we could put into militaristic terms, this individual is fighting at war with, I don't want, I, I want this out of my brain. Those are all the marks of a Christian. I've also struggled with the feeling of just wanting to sin not a specific sin but just to do what I want I don't know where these feelings are coming from all right if if you are similar to this individual who's writing write out how you're doing in your walk write it out you see feelings regularly used that would probably explain your issue you're operating under the banner of how you feel you need to operate under the banner of truth if god says you are his that's the end of it you say i but i don't feel like that and uh, that's going to separate you from the love love of god that is in christ jesus when nothing else can your feelings can separate you from what he has declared Joyfully, God does not begrudgingly say, fine, you can have your sins forgiven, but just watch it. No, joyfully granting forgiveness, willing, running to the prodigal. That's God's lavishing of grace on you. And if he says you got it, your feelings, well, quite honestly, they need to be corrected, but they they don't mean much. When it comes to the status of your salvation, listen to the language. I all caps don't want to feel them or even think about them. All I want to do is just love God for what he has done for me in Christ. Does that sound, does does, does that resonate with you? It does with a lot of Christians. Might I suggest your ticket to ride the train of victory to the land of joy? Is, is, is to turn your eyes upon Jesus, turn your face away from yourself. Quit looking at you, look to him and study him. And what do you see? Now you don't have to imagine, and, and you don't have to read Jesus Calling. You, you, you've got a Bible where Jesus actually speaks. You get to hear the words of Jesus. You wanna read something really like scary? Go read Jesus Prayer. John fourteen through seventeen. This is this is all. This is this is Jesus giving his last last words to his disciples in fourteen through sixteen, and in seventeen we hear him praying to God on your behalf. And you know what? That's worth a turn. What does Jesus pray for for you? It's not that you would just be that. Hey, that nothing bad happens that your car doesn't break down. Those are all important things, but that's not what he prays for. Christ prays for us to have unity. And here it is at the very end. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. You can have that love. Where do you find it? Right there in that book. Read it. Trust it. Savor it, dwell on it, linger over what he did. That every step he took was in the direction of the cross, for your sake and for His glory. You're in your redemption story. You are the benefactor of everything you read about Jesus. You get all. You get all of that. You get the one to whom children flocked. They they wanted to be around this guy. They. The, Crowds gathered around just to hear this man's words. And you can hear them too. Study the Bible. Study Jesus. Turn your eyes on him. Stare long in his wonderful face. And your lack of assurance, your dopey, blasphemous thoughts, they will dissipate. And until tomorrow, go serve your kingdom.